Hey everyone, this is Brian Pelletier, and welcome to Extraordinary, the Healthcare Leadership Podcast. Hey, hey, Extraordinaires. In today's episode, we speak with Jeanette Brone, CEO and founder of Path for Life and nourishment expert. Jeanette is a certified integrative nutrition and metamedicine health coach. We have a fantastic conversation about how to eat healthier and improve our self-care. All right, without further ado, Jeanette, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time and, and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be chatting with you today. Uh, typically, how I'd like to start is having a brief introduction about who you are and, and what things you're working on right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I have been in my practice of Path for Life for the past 15 years, and I've been working with people to help them take charge of their health by helping them understand how, um, how their habits, how their self-care habits, and how their choices affect their health overall, because I believe that when we understand why we're doing something, we can change and we can take charge. And now what I'm doing is I'm doing more public speaking and coaching in companies so that I can help people where they often are challenged to take most care of their health, which is at work. Yeah, and one of the things that stood out as I was watching some of your TED Talks and reading Eat to Feel Full Mm. is, I was thinking about how at work, I often see people who don't have lunch and whether it's a nurse or a physician or a pharmacist or name any other healthcare professional and they just work through the day or they'll snack randomly. And and so there seems to be, it's actually a relatively common occurrence and it probably expands beyond healthcare uh, that people don't eat well. I've actually had several, both students uh, that are in residency um, that have been working with me to try to figure out how to take care of themselves while they're, you know, studying to become nurses or doctors or, or practitioners of any kind and, and going through this residency, which is extremely tough time and obviously sets them up to what's to come. And yes, I agree. This idea that they're running around with snacks in their pockets, which I think they're not actually allowed to do and then end up in the bathroom trying to get a bite. It's, it's not really, it's, it's an interesting setup, right? Because here we are in the business of taking care of people, but we're not taking care of ourselves. And there's a disconnect there, right? And I think that if we understood how important it is to take care of ourselves so that we can be present to and available to and make good decisions and choices when we are with other people, I think we would change how we, how we work. I really do. I, do. I do believe that when we understand how important it is to come out of survival mode in order to not make mistakes, to spend that extra minute just uh, pausing and, and making sure we're making the right decision and the right choice and making sure that we're engaging with people and actually having, uh, you know, asking the right questions. Because I think often we don't ask questions when we're under stress mode and not eating all day actually pushes us into survival mode. And I think that's a good point that I hadn't really thought of either is that maybe in residency or throughout school, we're put in a position to get into survival mode. And so there's a switch that turns on yeah. and yeah. we forget to turn it off. And yeah. 
so years and years go by and we're we're still in that mode and not eating yeah and it happens everywhere you know i think it's part of our culture is that we eat on the go right i grew up in in denmark so it's part of my culture that everybody in a company stops for lunch there's a canteen and everybody goes there to get food and either they are served uh, the option to buy food there or they bring it from home that's the culture i grew up with there was no we don't eat lunch it might have changed now but i you know the companies that i worked with throughout that time that was the time to connect with people it built teams it built teams to have lunch together and um but this idea that we can't leave our post right there's nobody else to take over i understand that that's a challenge but it could maybe be an organizational challenge rather than becoming a human challenge if you know what i mean right it, it, again if we understood how important it is and, and even this idea that we can sit down over lunch and having a conversation with the people we work with not only does it inspire us to be more bonded at work it inspires us to think of work as a more uh, collaborative effort but it also obviously takes care of our own personal energy and and health altogether one of the things that we have struggled with is trying to get in that buy in but help people to to create that space where they can't eat together and it's mm. surprisingly difficult to get them to say hey let's all go out for lunch or not even out of the building but all go to the cafeteria or all go and sit outside for 20 minutes for a half hour and eat together and yeah. it it just seems way more difficult to get people to do that than right. i would think it would or should be yeah i think it's because people think that that will cost them in the end right so like in 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 Denmark for example um and also when i worked with esprit in in europe in germany and in denmark it wasn't an option not to have lunch like it was expected of you to leave your desk and come and have lunch when everybody else was having lunch and so that that was one way to look at it and be like well it's best for the teamwork it's best for the company and it's best for you as a human being that you're having lunch so therefore it's mandatory that you go have lunch and you have it with everyone else. So it wasn't even this idea that well if I have lunch then I got to have to stay for half an hour later because I'm wasting half an hour. That that wasn't the conversation and it wasn't the organizational setup. Um I think here it becomes a little bit more of a well I can make it through the day and then I can get home half an hour earlier. I had a client one time actually a nurse practitioner who had told me she had gone into work on a Saturday to finish paperwork and um she called me sort of like the day after and she was like kind of upset because she was like I I wanted to go home at 5 and instead I I ended up going home at 7 because I stopped for lunch and I was like how long was your lunch and she was like half an hour I was like then why did it take you two more hours she goes I don't know and she was really upset because she focused on the fact that lunch made her late but i asked her to to wonder if maybe she had miscalculated how long it would take her to do the work and had she not had lunch maybe she would have been there even more, longer because she wouldn't have been able to have the energy and the focus to complete and she looked at it and she sat to sat down to reflect and she's like you know what you got a point like you're right but we think of it as because we have lunch now we're going to run late rather than because i have lunch i'm actually being more productive and efficient in my work after my dad always used to say do it right the first time 
Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens when we're under stress mode is we might not do it right the first time. And you've talked a little bit about performance and how eating can help improve that. And that example kind of illustrates that whole point where taking a little bit of time for yourself can help and refocus you and help, I guess, unjumble some of the the stress that you had throughout maybe the morning to be more effective in the afternoon. And I think we also forget sometimes that our bodies are actually running on fuel just like a car. And I know it's a cliche, but then why still do we not think of that? Because we are designed to be able to starve and then binge, we are exploiting that every single day. We really are. And it's not because we can that we should. It's we're, 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 we're using it as a way of, of living, thinking it makes us produce and, and perform better. But the reality is that when your brain power runs out, your brain power runs out. It really does. Right. And we don't, just don't notice it because we're still moving. But I don't think people recognize when they're just repeating the same thoughts, when they're just repeating the same, like when they're going over things over and over and over and lose their spot, get distracted. I don't think they realize that they're doing it because it's become so much part of how we work that we think it's normal to lose our spot, not be able to focus, not be able to pay attention. We think that's normal. It really isn't. I guess I'm also wondering, in addition to the this idea of survival mode, that I'm wondering if some aspect of cognitive dissonance kind of factors in to at least from a not so much or in addition to eating not eating versus eating healthy yeah and very much so actually yeah and and so we revert back to oh i'm just going to eat what i have in front of me and not setting up a good process to or a habit that we should be eating healthier could be eating healthier if we had those types of foods available. Yeah. And, and, and it's a really good point because I think the differentiation is the quality of the energy we put in is also the quality of the energy we put out. And again, it sounds like a cliche, but if you're looking at kids, you perfectly well know that if you give them too much sugar, they're just going to run around in a circle and bounce off the wall. Right. And I don't know about you. Have I, have you, are you a coffee drinker? Sometimes a little bit. Yeah. So I used to be a coffee addict. And one time I had so much coffee and I got myself, like I I was going to drive somewhere. I got myself in the car and I started driving and I pulled over because I felt like I was driving drunk. I was so anxious. I was so ridden by this stimulant that I actually felt like I could have crashed the car as if I was driving drunk. And it was really a wake up call for me. I was like, wow, I didn't realize I was that affected by it. Can you imagine having patience and seeing like a doctor seeing a patient and having that kind of a, a felt sense in their bodies and not actually realizing that they have it because they're so wired up on, on this, just focusing on getting through the day. But I think that if we're using stimulants to get through, we're not getting that good, clean energy that makes us be discerning, that makes us really um, engage in a way that comes up with the best solution. And I think that you know, the, if we're not eating healthy foods, most people feel horrible after a meal if it's not good food. But we're, again, so used to feeling horrible. Like the, this idea of, I, I hear it all the time, people are like, well, I feel so sleepy after a meal, so I don't want to eat. I was like, maybe it's the wrong food because the food's supposed to give you energy. 
and 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 so if we can start putting two and two together and see like well if i eat really well i feel really well if i eat really crappy i feel really crappy and and if we can be a little bit more logical about it instead of super scientific and just be really logical i think we can change some habits around without feeling like we don't know what to do because that's the other thing i hear from people all the time well i don't know what to eat so i feel better it's like yes you do but you think it's a different answer than the one you'd like. The one you like is that you can have all these delicious foods and feel better. That's not going to work. You do have to add more vegetables, clean, lean protein, good quality fat, and some good carbohydrates from, from non-processed vegetables and, and uh, sweet potatoes and brown rice or those kinds of things instead of just bread and sandwiches and pasta and whatever else we are like eating. Yeah, no, no kidding. I wouldn't eat that for lunch and, and think that I could sit in a meeting in after that either. I would fall asleep too. But so I think of it as being performance ready. Like, are we eating in a way that we can perform at our best? Are we eating in a way that supports what it is we need to do rather than just feeds our stomachs and our desire for something pleasurable? And I'm not saying food shouldn't also be pleasurable, but it should perform for us. And that's what I mean by being performance ready. And I do believe we go to work in a way where we should be performance ready, especially when we're in a medical environment where we have you know, other people's lives on our hands. And I think you might have talked about this as well in, in a podcast or in, in a video that you've done, but this idea that athletes have a very specific regimen that they do. So they're very clearly paying attention to what they're eating, how they're exercising, and- yep setting up for optimal performance readiness, if you will, and yeah. professionals that are in healthcare or other industries don't necessarily do that. They have a, a right. different trait of thought that's not like the athletes might have. Right. I think they are, they are and again, I, I, I'm doing this based on the client that I've worked with who have all been in, in the healthcare profession. I think it's because we, we are... Um, expecting our skills to carry us through. And I think we're forgetting that our skills only function if our bodies are up to par, up to the task, right? So if our body is not up to the task, our skills don't come in very handy. And, and I think we're forgetting that the foundation for everything we do is still that our bodies are functioning the way they're intending to function. And you can see it. Like I, one time I fell in a pothole when I was jogging and th the amount of disability I had just from a sprained ankle was insane. How little I could take care of myself just from a sprained ankle, let alone when we have bigger difficulties, right? So it's this idea that we're relying so much on our bodies and we take it for granted. And I, I think we need to honor the fact that our bodies are getting us through the day by at least feeding it properly, giving it water and getting our sleep. And you mentioned earlier some of the types of foods that are preferable and that would be better for, for us to pay more attention to and consume. And I was hoping you could maybe expand on, on those a little bit too. Sure. One, one of my favorite topics. You know, I think the, the idea that we use food as a tool is our tool, is our medicine, right? And it's also our nourishment. Like it's also this idea that we want pleasure, sure. But it's a tool by looking at what kind of performance do I need or what kind of energy do I need to have after my meal. So if you want to calm down, 
because you're too anxious and wired, you wouldn't want to have more serotonin foods. And serotonin foods would be your complex carbohydrates, um, and you may want more of a legume kind of protein that is a little bit more, again, calming foods, more comforty kind of foods. That's your sort of serotonin food, your well-being, your feel-good foods. But if you're feeling a bit sluggish, you can't really, you know, feeling a little bit foggy, you wouldn't want too much of that. You wouldn't want oatmeal if you're feeling foggy in the morning. You want something that's more protein-based. You want something that's more protein and fat, like egg and avocado. You want something that puts you in a little bit more of an action mode and a doing mode, rather than what I call a being mode, which is more the serotonin foods. So we can navigate our food choices in that way. And we already do it, but we're doing it with some of the wrong foods. We're doing it when we want to calm down and we get home at night and we're really wired and stressed out. We want comfort food, but for most people that becomes a bowl of pasta, right? Or a pint but of it could ice cream. Be, or a pint of ice cream, right? Because sugar in that moment is the serotonin-y kind of thing that we're craving because that helps us so-called calm down. If it's ice cream, it might help us numb out completely, right? Which is also sometimes what we think of as a solution. It's not really a solution, but in that moment, it seems like a solution. That's not what I call a tool. A tool is more of the say, this is how I feel. This is how I would like to feel instead. What will get me there? But we, we tend to look at it from the perspective of, this is how I feel. I don't want to feel that way. Let me get rid of it. Let me fix it. And that mentality might be more of a mentality of getting rid of it by numbing it. Yeah, numbing it is probably the best way to get rid of such a feeling, right? And we numb in, in many different ways. We, we, like for some people, it's a couple of extra glasses of something at night that becomes a coping mechanism that's not really solving what it is we're trying to do, which is feel more in control, feel more in charge, feel more empowered, feel more fresh and energized and, and, and focused. And it makes us do the opposite, but it takes the stress edge away. Something else would do that too. And so something, some, something like that, for example, could be that you want to do some kind of exercise at night to burn off the stress, to burn off, even though you feel tired, but you may feel tired wired. And so burning off the stress with some exercise, it may not be vigorous exercise, but th that's one way of doing it. That's great stuff all around. And so I wanted to step back for a second. And one of the things that I try to look at is how can we adopt ideas from outside our own industries? And mm -hmm. I was curious if there was something from the fashion industry that you spent time doing, either process or, or structure, and if there was something that you use currently in the self-care and well-being space, at least from a, a thought process that you have mm -hmm. carried over. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Let me think about that. Um, I think one of the things that I've noticed um, in, in, in terms of their life in general that I have led both within the fashion industry and the design industry is that I use my felt sense. And I use, like, what I, when I was a designer and I would design spaces, I would recognize that we want to feel a certain way. And we make choices based on how we want to feel. And so we buy clothes based on how we want to feel in the clothes. And so I realized that there's this underlying, not, not conscious felt sense that makes us, uh, that, that guides our choices. And so one of the things that 
happens when we choose our foods and our self-care, it's the same thing. We're choosing based on how we want to feel. Again, it's unconscious. And so if we can be more conscious about it, which is what I was alluding to before when I said, well, this is how I feel, but how do I want to feel instead? If we can use mindfulness to be more conscious about those choices and recognize that the felt sense inside of all of us, really it's inside all of us, if we can connect with that in small little ways, it just takes a small pause once we get more used to it. This quiet little something, something inside might feel like, oh, right now it just feels like I'm pushing a boulder up the hill. Okay, if that's how I feel right now, I'm pushing a boulder up the hill. What do I need so that I don't feel that that's stressing me out so much? But if we don't even know that we feel, oh, I'm pushing a boulder up the hill, then we're just gonna be confused about how to take care of ourselves, right? And so it's this idea that the felt sense might be a vague something, but when we get in touch with it, it might give us an image or a metaphor or something. And, and oftentimes I say, well, if you were to describe how you feel right now inside as a, a, um, something in nature, what would you describe it as? Or if you were to describe something right now as something you would find in your kitchen, what would that felt sense be like right now? And so you could maybe say, I feel like a knife, or you may say, I feel like a soup bowl, right? So we're trying to have this idea that we can describe how we feel based on something we already know that we can relate to. Then we can start having this experience of our own experience, or we can have an experience of our felt sense. And when we get more used to that, it, it's much easier to make choices that help us take care of ourselves. And as we're winding down, I was curious if you had any recommendations or thoughts that you wanted to share that we might not have talked about, but ideas for how could we be more mindful about the choices that we're making related to food as sort of a, a summary. I like to teach people that they already know. And when we pause and just stretch that gap between having a, an instinct or a trigger to we actually react and act, if we can stretch that pause just a little bit and ask inside, what do I need right now so that I can? Then we can start creating these different choices that actually help us not only eat better, but also react less and act more. Because I think that's, that's, that, that's where we get stuck in habits, right? We're just reacting automatically based on what we tend to do. And if we can become more conscious and just stretch that moment out a little bit and a little bit and a little bit more, pause for a moment and ask ourselves a better question. Ask ourselves, why am I really trying to do this right now? What am I trying to achieve? Okay, what do I need so that I can achieve that? And I tend to say, we tend to have this idea of this bigger purpose that we're pursuing or this uh, long-term goal. But if we break it down into small little purposes along the way, we have a purpose all the time with something. Every single little action we do has a purpose. And if we can become a little bit more mindful about that, then we can better know what we need so we can achieve that purpose. That's and fantastic. a small little purpose... Yeah, one small little purpose could just be like, oh, we were getting ready to get on this podcast together. Okay, so I ask myself, what do I need so that I can spend a half an hour with you and really get into this space where we're having a great conversation? 
So I had that question beforehand, what do I need so I can do that? That was my purpose, was to have a great conversation where I could feel like we could connect over a topic that might be interesting to people. So that was my little purpose right there. And so instead of having this bigger goal, if we can break down our day into the small purposes and ask the right why we're doing something, then we can better help ourselves finding the choices that will really support us. That's a, a wonderful way to to break down some of these bigger ideas into more bite size, if you will, as we're talking about food. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, Jeanette. I really appreciate your time. And I really thank you for sharing all the knowledge that you have related to, to eating healthier and providing better self-care for ourselves. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. That concludes our show. Thank you for listening, and more importantly, thank you for being extraordinary.